have your Bibles, would you turn to John chapter 20? And then others who need a worship guide, would you raise your hand? It just takes a second to get one to you in the balcony or on the main floor. We're in the Advent season. We're reflecting upon the birth of Christ. We're reflecting about the Christmas story, the first few chapters, one or two chapters of each of the Gospels. And in this Advent season, sometimes it is very easy to forget that there's more to the Christmas story than just the manger. So let's do a simple theology 101. I mean, one question on the test. It's an easy one. And if you get it right, you get 100, you get the degree, you graduate. Are you ready for the question? Here it is. Is Jesus God or man? Yes, he's both. Right. He's God and he's man. In fact, we refer to him as the God-man. The God-man. God in human flesh. The prophet Isaiah said it like this. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given. The fact that the prophet said a child is born speaks of his humanity. And then the prophet said that a son is given. And that speaks of his deity. He is the God-man. As a child, he was born in Bethlehem. As God, he rules from eternity. You see, Jesus did not have his beginning in Bethlehem, only his birth. Sometimes we miss that. A star pointed the way to where the child was. And we've been singing about that star, the star in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2, where they said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star. We've seen his star in the east. And because we've seen that star, we've come to worship him. That star has an effect, a, a purpose, a meaning in the Christmas story. It's the, it's the bright side of the story. It's the star that led us to the baby. But there's a darker side to the Christmas story. Not only the stars, but the scars. The scars of Jesus. Why the scars? Because Jesus died. He was born to die. What did he die for? He died for our sins. So we go to this little baby in the manger scene. Just like you would go to the hospital and visit the maternity ward, right? And you look through the glass or you go to the room and one of the first things you want to do is see the main attraction, the new baby. One of the things we tend to stare at are the feet. What is it about a little baby's feet? They don't stink. You know, you can kiss them. I mean, you know, you wouldn't kiss my feet this morning. You'd be gross. That's disgusting. But a baby, something about a baby's feet that we're attracted to. Sweet, little, cute, chubby feet. Fast forward those little feet in the manger scene. 33 years later, those same feet nailed to a cross. Go back to the Maternity war, back to the manger. Something else we love about a baby is their hands. They're so sweet. As a parent, do you remember the first time your little baby grabbed a hold of your pinky and held it tight? You would have stood there for hours. 
You don't care if you're hungry, got to use the restroom, who cares? Man, I, that, is there something sweet about a little baby grabbing hold of you? Fast forward 30, those little chubby hands come with me to Calvary. Still the Christmas story. And see those hands stretched out on that cross as a nail pierces those hands. You see, there's a darker side to Calvary. And here we are, not in Matthew 1, not in Luke 2, but in John 20. Why? Because here in this story, Jesus had lived a sinless life. He had been falsely accused. He had been battered at this time in Scripture on a cruel Roman cross. They had put him into a grave and sealed it with a stone. And on the third day, he rose from the grave, a living victorious Savior. He now had appeared already to his disciples. He had shown himself alive. One of the disciples, by the name of Thomas, wasn't there. Thomas wasn't there the first time he showed himself. And so eight days later, he appears again. And here we are, right there in John 20. That's where we are. Listen. But Thomas, verse 24, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples, therefore, said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, After eight days, again, his disciples were within. And this time, Thomas was there. Then comes Jesus. The doors were shut. He stands in the midst. He says, peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, hey, Tom, come here. Reach hither thy finger. Behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Thomas, be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answers and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Wow. Thomas sees the scars in the hands of Jesus, and his response to that is, My Lord and my God. Think of it. A God with scars. He sees the scars in the hands of God and he appropriately says, my Lord and my God. Jesus carried the scars with him to heaven. Did you know that the only man-made thing in heaven are the scars of Jesus Christ? And when he comes again, he will bear those blessed scars. In Zechariah chapter 13, in verse number 6, it says, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? And he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. So this morning, we've seen the star from the east. It's led us to the manger scene. But now we also go to the scars of Calvary. The the stars and the scars of Christmas, they tell us some things. What do they tell us? Three things this morning. Number one, the scars tell us that as a man, 
Jesus, and this is important, very important at Christmas for us to understand he came to die as a man, Jesus suffers. He suffered, and he suffers. In John chapter 20, the scars told Thomas that Christ was indeed pierced by those hideous nails. We're told, and we understand, church, that God in human flesh, the God-man, suffered. Isaiah chapter number 53 and verse 3 puts it like this. He is despised and rejected of men. He is a man of sorrows and acquainted with, very important word, grief. God understands grief because he's grieved and he grieves. God grieves? God suffered while he was here and God still suffers. Think about it. Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Have you ever been grieved? Grief is a form of emotional suffering. And God grieves. Think about it. Does a father suffer when he has a wayward son? The story of the prodigal son is a perfect illustration of a father who's grieving the loss of his son as he leaves house and, and does his own thing. We can't imagine at times that grief until you experience it. But when you suffer, our Lord suffers. The Bible says he is touched with the feelings of our what? Infirmities. He's touched by that. When we grieve, when we hurt, he hurts, he grieves, he suffers. Look back to the chapter, rather look on the screen back to a verse in the book of Acts when we see Saul before he became Paul. Saul was killing Christians, he was persecuting the church and he falls to the earth and he hears God say this. God said to Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? God was suffering because God suffers when a Christian is persecuted. You see, grief is a love word. It's a love word. When you suffer, our Lord suffers. He loves us so much. And the scars tell us that as God, he suffered. So why would he choose to suffer? I wonder why. Well, that brings us to our second point. Number two, not only did Jesus, the scars of Jesus tell us that he suffered, but secondly, the scars of Jesus Christ tell us that he sympathizes with us. In other words, he understands. He sympathizes. Jesus knows. He understands. When I go into a hospital room, it's always tough because depending on the level of the nature of the situation, the level of the sickness, the you know, what, what is happening as a result of this person being in the hospital, you're always tempted to want to say these words, I understand, but I try to avoid those words. I do. I feel as if those words at times are an insult to the person who is suffering. Nobody really knows the hurt and pain of the human heart except for Jesus. Nobody. Nobody truly understands like Jesus understands. The old hymn, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. He cares. He knows. Sometimes when 
we go on trips somewhere. Like, for instance, we'll take a little trip after Christmas for a couple of days in New Orleans. Maybe you're going to take a little Christmas trip. Maybe you've already taken one. Oftentimes, when we take these trips, we go somewhere, we do something. We purchase what? Souvenirs. Trinkets, right? We go to a gas station or we go to some little hobby shop. You know, and we say, you know, what can we get from this area? Why do we purchase a souvenir? We do it as a reminder that we've been there. Proof that we've been there. Jesus, when he went to heaven, brought with him to heaven some souvenirs from earth. And those souvenirs were the scars that are in his hands. They remain in his hands and they tell us that he has been there. He understands. He has proof. And the proof are the scars of Christmas. In Hebrews chapter 2, the writer put it like this in 17 and 18. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers. Jesus had to be made like us in every respect. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God. To make propitiation for the sins of his people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted or when tested. He is able to help those who are being tempted or tested. God says, I've been there. I understand. I care. It's interesting, a doctor, his name is Paul Brand. Paul spent a lot of time as a missionary medical doctor, get this, to the lepers in leprous colonies in third world countries. Dr. Brand said that one of the most debilitating things about leprosy is that it removes the ability of the human body to feel pain. He says that's that's probably the hardest thing about it. To watch a leper, he said, in these third world countries that you're trying to help and minister to, some of them would smoke a cigarette until the fire on the end of the cigarette would actually begin to burn their flesh. And then you would see that they're not grimacing, there's no pain felt as their fingers begin to burn and flesh begins to melt and you hit their hands to remove that fire they can't even feel. He said this, a quote from Dr. Brand, and I read it to you. If I had the power to eliminate pain, I would not exercise that right. Pain's value is too great. I would rather lend all of my energies into doing all that I can to help when the pain turns to suffering. Think about that. Listen. The pain that Jesus allows us to have is really proof of his love. What are some of the purposes of pain? First of all, there is the protecting purpose of pain. What does pain do? Pain tells us, hey, something's wrong. One of the things that we've learned about Glorianne, our special needs child. She has a disease, she has a a syndrome, a disease called Phelan McDermott syndrome. And so a few weeks ago, we had the opportunity for the very first time in our lifetime of 10 years of having this child, of actually meeting a family who has a child that lives in Arkansas with this same syndrome. Now, up until last week, the latest newsletter came out and said there are right now 1,600 
known cases of feeling syndrome in the world. 1,600 only. So you're not going to meet people too often, but we did. She, they drove down from Rogers to spend, and you know, we had such a wonderful time. We spent about four hours at Chick-fil-A. If you're going to sit anywhere for four hours, that's a good place to sit. Chick-fil-A. We sat there and yapped and talked, and you try to keep two Phelan McDermott sitting kids in one place for four hours. If you've ever been around Glorianne, she cleaned every table in that house. She threw more food away. It was the craziest thing ever. So we're exchanging stories, right? I mean, we've got, we've got somebody here. So it's like, you're like a kid in a candy store. You're spending four hours saying, does, your, does, does, she, does she do that? Yes, 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 yes. I mean, they are like identical twins. Maybe a little different personality, but, but basically everything was, yes, the same. Does your child feel pain? No. What about yours? No, ours doesn't either. Because one of the effects of feeling McDermott syndrome is they don't feel pain. Their pain tolerance is insanity. It's the scariest thing ever. One time we slammed Glorianne's hand in the door. How, how do you do something like that? It's terrible, I know, but we accidentally did it. And she bled and she, her finger turned black and blue and it looked like it was all mangled and broken, but she didn't really react all that crazy. She doesn't react to pain. One of the most fearful things of raising her is that you're constantly paranoid. Poor Carol Ann. No wonder she still has any nerves. I mean, she, we try to help her with it, but it's, it's tough as a mother to, to wonder and worry about every little thing. If the stove's on, if this is hot, if this is gone, because you just know when someone doesn't feel pain, it's dangerous. Pain's value is too great because it protects us. Number two, there's a unifying purpose to pain. There's a unifying purpose to pain. It's pain that draws us together. Think about it. Your whole body comes to the aid of a suffering member of the body. For instance, if you have ever done this, if you have been nailing something into the wall and you do what? You hit your ever? Poof! Thumb! First thing you do when you hit it is this. You go, oh, ah! And this hand automatically grabs it. And then it's like, mm, oh! And then you start, and then you do, oh, whoa! You do some kind of a dance. It's hold, suck, dance. I don't know why you dance. I just know that's what the body does to help the thumb. The whole body says, everybody, help the thumb. She's in trouble. Well, have you ever been to a church that's unhealthy? One of the first things you'll notice is they're not unified. They're not together. There's bitterness. There's anger. There's, I ain't sitting next to them because they did this. They said this. They hurt me. If you've ever been to a church that doesn't care for the poor, doesn't care for the homeless, doesn't want to reach out to those in need, what brings people together? Suffering. How do you tell the health of a church? You tell the health of a church by how that church reacts to pain. The greater, the greater city of Hot Springs has a church. It's called the body of Christ. Well, our church has recently, in the last few years, begun to realize that there is, there's, there's more people out there to love and more Christians out there to care for. And, and so we've been... Together And so this past week, one of the members of our body, you say, our church, no, our body, our, the body of Christ. It's bigger than us. 
His name is Bryce Briggs. Bryce is 19 years old. He's a one year out of being a graduate of Lake Hamilton. Anybody ever heard of that name, Bryce Briggs? Bryce was burned from his head almost to his toe. The only thing not burned in his body, severe burns, near death, almost death, maybe still will die burns. The only thing that did not burn was basically his feet because of boots he was wearing. So a youth pastor, his youth pastor, contacted me and said to me, Pastor, we're desperate. Bryce's life is hanging in the balance. They're giving him a 25% chance to live. Would you pray? Would you have your people pray? Thank God for the prayer line. I don't know who calls it, but I know if you've called it, you're already in tune with this. You've been praying for Bryce. You're on board. That's why I love the prayer line. It takes you a couple minutes to call every morning, but when you call it, you'll hear about Bryce. You'll hear about others. You'll know how to pray for those in desperate need. And so we've been praying for Bryce. And so you see, when I got the news yesterday that he had a good day, yesterday was a good day. The day before he almost died, they, they had to resuscitate him a couple of times. But yesterday was a good day for one person in the body. You say, but, but wait a minute. Uh, you mean member of our church? No, 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 no. Not, not, you see, the only members of the body of Christ are not just members of gospel light. So we've learned. You know, I, I've been in the hospital before as a pastor, but I've never had a pastor visit me until, and I hadn't been in the, in the hospital since we've been doing this, but Manly Beasley had a heart procedure, spent three days in the hospital. So Doug Gully says, Eric, Manly's in the hospital. So I go up to the hospital. I walk into another pastor's room, and I can tell you when two pastors are in a hospital room together ministering to one another, it's powerful. All that's happened in the last couple of years. The church body in Hot Springs is stronger because we're together. How does the church care for the homeless? How does the church care for the suffering? How does the church care for the broken? That's a church that will be more unified because of the pain of those who suffer. For instance, you see, when you brought food to the church, you probably just did it and dropped it off. When you picked an angel off that tree, you brought it. You went to the store. You bought. We had 59 angels adopted in our church. You went, that was great. But you see, Friday was the day to bring all the groceries to the Budweiser plant. And I've had a few people say, well, we're going to the Budweiser plant. Because they got a big warehouse. I don't know. I didn't drink any beer. I just went to the plant. It's 100,000 square feet. They said we could use it. And when you've got 1,000 families and 20,000 gifts, you need a big place. It just happens to be Budweiser. Hallelujah. Thank God for these folks, you know. Don't drink beer, but use warehouses. And so anyway. So we enjoyed. It's amazing. It was like being at the North Pole. You can ask Joe. It's crazy. You walk into this building and you see thousands of gifts. People like elves running everywhere. It's raining. It's freezing cold. We're bringing all these groceries, 400 bags of groceries. Some of these grocery bags are ripping. We're having to catch, you know, things from fall. It was the craziest event trying to get all these things. It was so cold. A few people were able to come and do this with me from, that are in the building. And you, 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 it, was, it was a little inconvenient, a little wet, a little cold. And, and, and maybe we were cold and... If you want to call that suffering, whatever. But I guarantee you one thing. When you begin to think about the people yesterday who got gifts and food and Christmas, the suffering of our city, the poor of our city, the broken of our city, those in need, when you begin to think about that, you realize it is worth every dime of sacrifice. Everything you go without so somebody can go with is worth it. But sometimes suffering is involved. Pain comes in all kinds of forms. 
physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain. And for some reason, Americans want to kill pain at any cost. We don't like it. We don't want any of it. That's the reason why we have so many sedatives. That's why you got so many kids on drugs. They're trying to kill the pain. I know this. That's why so many people turn to alcohol. Why? To dull the pain, to kill the pain. You see, what we need to realize is there's a world out there that, that, that doesn't need a sedative. They need a savior. They need Jesus Christ, our Lord, our King. And you and I have that message. And during this Christmas season, may we help some turn from a sedative to a savior. I know sometimes they're needed. I understand pain medicine at times can be. I'm not preaching against it. I'm simply saying it is so often abused because people just want to escape the pain that God has put there to use in their life. The scars of Jesus tell us he suffered. The scars of Jesus tell us he sympathizes. And the scars of Jesus, number three, and I'm done, tell us that as a man, Jesus saves. He suffered. He sympathized. He saves. Why was he nailed to that cross? Why the nails? Why the spears? Why the thorns? The Bible tells us why. In Hebrews 9.22, it says, Without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Jesus had to die. He had to suffer in order for you to escape suffering for all eternity. That's why he saves. Jesus did not have to suffer. You understand that? He didn't have to. He chose to. And the scars tell me, and they tell you, that Jesus saves. Jesus did for me what I could not do for myself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's an amazing thing that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. You know, sometimes my wife and I have been on a trip somewhere. You know, maybe you go on a, we went on a cruise for our our 25th anniversary. We are actually, uh, the church gave us that cruise, yeah. No, what's that? My 50th, what, what? Oh, my 50th year, that's it, thank you, honey. Yeah, when I turned 50, that's it. I was sad, wasn't it? Yeah, so sad. Obviously, the church wanted to help me to deal with that pain. So you sent me on a cruise instead of just letting me suffer through it. So, see, I'm still struggling, you know. So when you get on that cruise, what they do is they tell you no cell service. But they want you to buy all these cell service packages. But you really don't want to do that. Why? Because you want to be away from everything, right? You just want to rest and relax and take those days. But there's a group of people call your kids. You don't care if you're on a cruise. You don't care if you're in Hawaii. You don't care where you are. You want your children to know. You called me. You're not bothering me. You're never bothering me. I don't care what the problem is. I don't care if you have a question about your homework. You call mom and dad. We may be somewhere, but you know... You can get a hold of us. You see, that's Jesus towards his children. He's always there. He never leaves us. 
He never forsakes us. It doesn't matter what we're going through, what trouble you're having, how you're suffering today. Christmas isn't all stars for everybody. Sometimes for others it can be scars. It's hurts, it's pains, it's things you're dealing with. God says, I'll always be there. So today, think not only about the stars of Christmas, but about the scars of Christmas. Jesus came to earth. That's the stars of Christmas. That we might go to heaven. Well, that's the scars of Christmas. Jesus was born of a virgin. Well, that's the stars of Christmas. That we might be born again. That's the scars of Christmas. Jesus became the son of man. That's the stars of Christmas. That we might become sons and daughters of God. That's the scars of Christmas. You see, Jesus died that we might live. He suffered. He sympathizes. He saves. Let me close with this. Jesus had some scars. And if you follow Jesus, you're going to have some scars too. It's just impossible to live your life and not have scars. Listen to me, everybody. You're not going to get out of this world without scars. It's not going to happen. Don't, don't, don't think that the Christian life is a cure-all. Listen, we live in a world where Jesus at times will allow things in our lives, suffering, things that God puts there for a purpose. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians six seventeen, For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what a scar is? It's a wound that's been healed. My wife was sick for a long time, and she would get these wounds. Oh, they were just disgusting. They were horrible, weren't they, honey? I mean, I, I could, you know, we used to be, I used to be embarrassed. I'll tell you about that here as I close the message. I was embarrassed about this. It was terrible. I mean, my wife for months went to bed with her arm over the bed because of the blood and pus that would fall all night long onto a you know, hospital-type napkin. This disease she had was eating her intestines and in a rare form was also eating through her skin. And so Carol Ann was wounded. She had wounds. Well, she got her colon removed and that was a big decision. That meant a lot of other things and factors and ileostomies and all that. But we knew we had to do something, you know. So we did that. Over time, these wounds began to heal. These open wounds, these nasty, hurtful wounds, the sleepless nights went away. But they left a scar. So when Carol Ann developed these scars, I kind of told her, I said, look, honey, we'll just go out shopping and I'll buy you all long sleeve shirts. So we'll cover the scars. Don't worry. Don't worry, honey. Nobody have to see them. You know, comforting husband, reassuring his wife that she's beautiful anyway, right? We'll cover up your, your wounds. Nah, not me. I was embarrassed. I don't want to see them, you know. I mean, they're not... Wait a minute. You see, Jesus will allow you to suffer, develop a wound, 
heal that wound that becomes a scar emotionally, physically, and spiritually so that you can bring others to Christ with your scars. And so Carol Ann, she's crazy. She's crazy. She'll, she'll walk up to people, just total strangers, and she'll just, uh, she'll, she'll, look, look. She's like showing people. She's like loving it. She's bright. Now, now, now me, she's, she's won me over. I'm like, look at my wife's scars. Take a look. They're beautiful. We don't even believe in long sleeve shirts. We don't believe them, you know. And so Carol Ann, she'll tell her story. Sometimes she gets so ahead of her story, she says, oh, and she'll just point to this. That's when this happened. And I'm like, honey, you got to tell. They don't, I mean, you just can't throw your arm out there and say, that's when this happened. You got to tell them, you know. Because she gets so excited because of what God's done in her life. You say, I would never wish that on anybody. You better be quiet. Best thing that ever happened to us was the suffering of my wife. The suffering of our child. Made us who we are. The Capaci family is here today because of pain, suffering, and God healing us and making us stronger as a result of that. What caused Thomas to believe? What caused him to believe? The scars. The scars. Thomas, you can believe now. Look. Look, Thomas. It really happened. My Lord and my God scars will bring people to Jesus. Someone will believe in Jesus when they see your scars. Use your scars for Jesus. Bring your wound to Jesus. And see this morning as he reaches out those nail-pierced hands and says, come. Come. I died for your sins. Look. Look. Every head bowed, every eye closed and with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.